It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop, And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Wednesday, it's 525. Hello, hello, hello. Four calls, four calls, four calls. Whatever you want to talk about. Saquon, the Yankees, the Mets, or whatever you want. Uh, Alan Jerry till 6 o'clock. So we start things off with Justin in Queens. Justin, you are the first of the four callers this morning. Good morning, Justin. Good morning. Hello. Oh, hello. What's going on, man? <laughs> Listen, you know who can fix this Saquon problem? Daniel Jones. Why this man can't walk in the office and take $38 million, $37 million <laughs> and pull a Tom Brady and give his buddy that he's playing catch with in the park his $14 million is beyond me. Daniel Jones doesn't deserve $41 million. We all know that. And I don't, I don't understand why they can't just fix this problem right now. It's, you know, it's funny you say that, Justin, because there have been so many times we have referenced um, quarterbacks making so much more than everybody else, especially the ones that that don't deserve it, that are on not good teams. Um, and Daniel Jones played really well last year. There's no question about it. He, he played outstanding, didn't turn the ball over. But when you bring up the Tom Brady thing, I agree with you. And I, I understand what Boomer always talks about, about having to set the market and reset the market and all of that. When you've got a case like this, now I don't know the rules and I don't know how – um, how it would play itself out. But if that was indeed the case and allowed and you could do what Brady did back in the day by not taking the max amount that a quarterback could get, I'm with you. Whether you're making 40 or 37, what the hell difference does it make, honestly? And yeah, I- there's no big difference, Jerry. I mean, they could, they could settle it. If it's allowed, like you said, they could settle it. Everyone could be happy. Go to week one and let's get this season started. Thanks, Jerry. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, you got it, Justin. I completely agree because you'd be looking at a season that is that could go sideways very quickly. I do believe that. And like I said, until I listened and watched that those clips, and again, good extended clips, like two, three-minute clips, it wasn't just like eight seconds and you're trying to figure out what the question was and where he was going. When they posted these clips, they did a really good job of leaving in Barkley's entire thought process and where he was going. Like, there there are some, for instance, I could have clipped and stopped and made him sound really bad. I mean, you could have done that. And they could have released those clips to maybe get more clicks. They did a really good job of, of playing it out and getting his full thought process on what he's thinking. And you can tell the internal struggle that he's having with this. And again, that comes from not just listening, but also watching him as he was trying to put the words together and, you know, come up with a coherent thought that had some, I would say, I don't want to say thought behind it, because you can tell he's done that, but also some foresight, like trying to read into what this could be for the team. Like when he says, do I really want to bleep my teammates? Like you can see he's struggling with that. Like he wants to be out there. He wants to play football. He wants to go win for the Giants. 
But then there's that other part of him that says, this just isn't right. And that's where the struggle comes from. Simon in New Haven, Connecticut. Good morning, Simon. How are you? Uh, terrible. We have got to get rid of Boone. We have got to get rid of this man and this hitting coach we got. This new hitting coach is supposed to work miracles. The same garbage. Come on. <laughs> well, that goes to the fact that hitting coaches don't really make that much of an impact anyway. I mean, they, that that is a move for move's sake, in my opinion. Now, I'm not saying that Sean Casey might not have a couple of different thoughts and, and maybe he gets the guys to relax a little bit, but so far, only a handful of games. We're not going to get crazy. So far, I would say the approach that you've seen at the plate, lacking a little bit, just a little bit. And the Boone thing, I don't know. I, I, I am not going to sit here and bury Aaron Boone. I'm just not. Because I don't know in today's day and age of baseball, I really mean this, I don't know how much it matters from the standpoint of what you're putting out on the field. Now, you want to tell me, here's where I think a manager really matters. This is what I think. He's got to make the pitching decisions in-game. And if he's going to pinch hit for somebody, okay? We agree. Those things happen on the fly. Manager's got to be thinking an inning or two ahead at all times. Um, and I don't I don't know that it goes further than that in-game. The biggest thing I really believe a manager has to do is have the attention in the room. He's got to have the respect of the players, and the players have got to listen to him. And I think he's done a good job of that. Man, you know, we always talk about Joe Torre and how great he was. And I love Joe Torre. I did because I thought Joe Torre was a calming influence on a collection of absolute superstars. And he kept that locker room insulated and together for the most part. Yes, there were issues from here to here, which we've seen in some of these documentaries. But Torre did a really good job of not allowing a lot of that to escape and kind of cutting things off before they got and went too far. You can make every case that Joe Torre's greatest attribute of being a manager with the Yankees was the way he handled those men. I think Boone does a good job of that. I think Boone goes out there and fights for his guys. Hell, I think he leads the league in ejections because he is fighting for his team. And I think that's that comes across well-respected by the guys. The lineup, I, I don't know. I mean, all you hear is collaboration, collaboration, collaboration. I don't know how much the analytics plays into it. But all we hear is that it's an analytical game now and matchups are basically given to him. I don't know about roster construction, how much he has to do with it. I think it's all Brian Cashman and his team that are under him doing the job, the scouts. I think Brian Cashman, Aaron Boone is basically given a team and he's got to go deal with it. And he is essentially given what is probably a suggested lineup and he probably rolls with it. So I'm not going, I'm just not going there. I don't, they, he has won a lot of games. And how about this thought, just for poops and giggles? How about this thought? For all these bad playoff series that they've had and haven't gotten to the World Series, wouldn't it be nice just once for the guys that are making a fortune to go out and perform like it? I don't know. Just a thought. Pretty sure back in the day when Aaron Boone hit a big home run to beat the Red Sox, he wasn't the highest-paid player on the Yankees. Wouldn't it be nice if one of the highest-paid players actually played like one of the highest-paid players in October? Just a thought. 
What up, y'all? It's your boy Danny Green, three-time NBA champ. You either rooted for me or rooted against me. Join myself and my co-host Harrison Sanford on the Inside the Green Room podcast. It's a podcast that brings you never-before-told tales from the locker room to candid interviews with basketball legends to breakdowns of what's happening in the NBA right now. Whether you're a diehard fan or casual about your hoops, this podcast brings you the game like never before. Follow Inside the Green Room on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. John in Montvale. What's up, John? Good morning. Good morning, sir. What's up? Oh, Tony from the bat flip the minute from the other day to uh, tie the ball game up. It was very excited, but do you think it was a showboat for the Yankees if he should should have been hit a next day or not? No, nah, I mean, you, I mean, you you could. I that to me. Here, I always say this: you want a bat flip after a big home run? That's awesome. Good for you. I would tell the pitcher, get him out. You know, like to me, you want a bat flip, bat flip. But to your point, if they do hit you next time, eh, you kind of have to expect it. I would not have. You're in their stadium. The place is jacked up. Um, The bat flip to me is something. Remember we always talk about uh, baseball becoming more fun. I actually have no issue with that. Is it showing up the pitcher? Maybe. I think trotting around the bases very slowly shows up the pitcher more than the bat flip does. Quite frankly, the only reason we see the bat flip is because TV replays it. Most people follow the track of the ball and don't see the bat flip. But no, I I would not have done that. Absolutely not. Eddie in Rockland, you're the fourth of our four callers. Good morning, Eddie. Hey, Recco, what's happening, man? I'm good. How are you? All right. On the Saquon thing, you know, these are uh, the uh, the – well, the agents should have uh, more of a uh, negotiation because, you know, they said they uh, offered Barkley a contract midseason last year. He confirmed that's that, too, yes. Right. When, when they, they were having a great season last year, that's when he should have did his holdout because you have more power if you're holding out the last four games of a good playoff run season than the starting of the next season. And I can't believe that they're not arguing about the length of years, just a couple of million on the two-year deal. If I was Barkley, I'd be complaining that I'm not getting three or four years offered. I'll tell you this, Eddie, just real quick on your point about um, you know walking off the field and not playing at the end last year. Watching him in this video, in this podcast, no chance he would do that. And you're right. That probably would have made a big impact. There's no way that he was having a good season, the team was having such a good season, he was going to leave that team behind. I, I just, maybe others would. Not him. It's not him. But, but Right, there. But as as an agent, you should have known as the low ball offer midseason that you were going to end up here with the, uh, with the franchise tag and being uh, some kind of being screwed in a way. Well, but let me that ask they- you this. So I'll ask you this question, because you brought up the agent being more involved. Barkley basically, not basically, he said that the Giants came to him during the bye week last year and offered him an extension. He said he only had three days to think about it, and he thought that they thought that he was just going to jump at it because they presented it in front of him. It was the bye week. Let's get this done and get it over with. And he decided to bet on himself and then shut it down. I always wonder when when they say, if we don't get a deal done before the start of the season or in this time frame, that I don't want to discuss it. But I'm with you. Why can't the agent do more? And, you know, have the client tell him exactly what he wants, go fight for it, and when you get it, if and when you get it, then present it to him. Is it really that big of a distraction if you ask him once or twice, do you like this or don't you like this? Because maybe something could have been done last year. 
And another uh, host say it's better that they, he's on this franchise. Not as a player going for a Super Bowl run, it's not. You want a player that's happy and that wants to be there and not, is not playing skittish, not worried about being hurt for his next contract. Well, I, I mean, but you know what, though, Eddie? That's pretty much the way he played last year, and he played his ass off. And I think it sounds like he's at a, he's in a good place with the way he feels injury-wise, body-wise. I don't think he's going to go play scared or skittish this year, to the, the word you used. I think he's going to go out there and play if he plays. Um, and he will give you a great performance because I think that's the type of player he is. Um, you're right, though. I mean, it's for him, it sucks. It's a one-year deal. He's guaranteed $10 million. That's it. And, yes, if he gets hurt, and God forbid it was an ACL again, that could be his career, and that could be the last bunch of paychecks he ever gets. I mean, that is the risk you take, and that is why he is, I think, seriously contemplating having to sit out. And I don't know for how long, and I don't know that he will. But I will tell you, to me, it is very clear it is on his mind. And it is now a very real possibility to where it was something I did not think was possible prior to this morning and watching that podcast. Amazing how things can flip and change when some of these guys give you just a little bit of insight into the way they think. And I don't know if he had a relationship with this guy or not, but he was very open in this podcast. more And more so than he was, remember back at his football camp in June, he talked. He definitely spoke, and he talked about how there's a lot of misinformation out there, but he wouldn't get too much into it. He gave this guy a lot and, in turn, gave us a lot. All right, quick break. When we come back, if Legalman is done with the, with the booms, we will get him in for a third segment. We'll talk uh, some more baseball and Saquon Barkley. Um, we're done with your calls, but you can call Boomer and Geo. Their show begins at 6 right here on The Fan. 